the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God meets with man on the basis of the dead, buried, and resurrected living Christ. There is a new mercy seat, and there is no longer any need to sprinkle it with blood because that has been accomplished once and for all in Christ Jesus. And that is where we are headed today here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Hi there. Welcome to our program. Our time together today returns us to the book of John, chapter 20, a message called Jesus Appears to His Disciples. What a fitting way to begin a brand new week of broadcasting right after Resurrection Sunday. And the question we're left with is, has Jesus appeared to you post-resurrection? With more, here's Pastor Layton in today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. The first post-resurrection appearance of Jesus that the Apostle John included in his gospel was to Mary Magdalene. I'm going to start at verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Now you think about it, Jesus could have showed himself to one or all of the apostles, but instead he appeared to this woman who was in a great state of anguish out of her love and respect for Jesus. And what this scene underscores to us is that Christianity is primarily about relationship. Now, some people think that Christianity is about religion, with lists of do's and don'ts, principles to learn, scriptures to memorize. But Christianity is fundamentally about developing a loving, personal relationship with God through Christ. Adam and Eve, before they chose to sin, the scriptures say, walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. That mankind was created to have a very special privilege of enjoying a relationship with Creator God. But sin separated mankind from God. And God addressed the sin issue by taking our sin, placing it on Jesus, who carried it to the cross... And there paid the wages of our sin in his death. In Colossians, the apostle Paul wrote, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is, Jesus, and through him to reconcile, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you. Reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Did you notice the word reconcile or reconciliation is used twice? That word is used to describe the healing of a broken relationship. There's been a break in a relationship between husband and wife and healing comes about, we call that reconciliation. It's, it's about relationship. Christianity is about relationship, not religion. 
And this is so clearly illustrated in this encounter between Jesus and Mary. Peter and John, they'd already gone home, but Mary remained, sobbing uncontrollably, according to the original language, distraught that someone had taken away the body of Jesus, and she didn't know where. And as she continued weeping, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. This is the first mention of it. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And the Old Testament angels appear regularly as human visitors, and they're around when God is doing his work. So one would expect that when God was doing his greatest work here that they would be found as well. But did you notice something interesting, that it was two angels, one at the head and one at the feet, and Jesus would have been between them. In Exodus 25, God instructed the people of Israel as to the building of the tabernacle and the building of the Ark of the Covenant. Listen to the instructions God gives. You shall make a mercy seat of gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Cherubim is a type of angel. Remember, Isaiah 6 mentions cherubim and seraphim, two types of angels. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread their wings above overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. Their faces, one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. The Ark of the Covenant had a place on top of it called the mercy seat, and once a year... The high priest would take the blood of a sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat between the two angels, and there God would meet with man. However, since Jesus Christ left the tomb sprinkled with his blood between two angels, God meets with man on the basis of the dead, buried, and resurrected living Christ. There is a new mercy seat, and there is no longer any need to sprinkle it with blood because that has been accomplished once and for all in Christ Jesus. There were two angels in the tomb, one at Jesus' head, the other at his feet. The New Testament book of Hebrews explains many of the Old Testament forms of worship expression and how they point to Jesus as their fulfillment. Verse 13, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. So Mary's answer reveals her paradigm. It doesn't even occur to her that Jesus might have risen from the dead. She's convinced that someone has taken and relocated the body. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, it is possible that she might have been blinded by her tears, but when you read through the resurrection accounts, there's a certain tension. You see, on one hand, Jesus' resurrected body can be touched and handled, 
and it bears the marks of the wounds that were inflicted upon him before his death. And in that body, he not only cooks fish, he also eats fish. And yet, on the other hand, Jesus' resurrection body apparently rose right through the grave clothes and appears right through the walls and doors of a locked room and is sometimes not initially recognized, such as in the case of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize Jesus until he revealed himself to them. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, then tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary thought, it must be the gardener. Who else would be here this early in the morning? And maybe he received orders to remove this, the body of this executed criminal that had been placed in the tomb in, in such a hurried fashion. And so she offered to make arrangements to give the body a proper burial. Now, regardless of the cause of her blindness, Jesus opened her eyes with a single word. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus had said the good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And she knew the voice of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So evidently she was so overwhelmed to see Jesus, she clung to him as though she was never going to let go. And that's why Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. It was not that Jesus could not or should not be touched that's evident because later he invited Thomas to put his hands into the wounds. But notice that Jesus says, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. This is the first time that Jesus addressed the disciples as brothers. He'd called them friends, but never brothers. You see, what Jesus accomplished on the cross made it possible for us to have a new relationship with God. That God adopts as His very own children those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That He is the firstborn among many brethren. And because of Jesus, believers can address God as Father. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father. To my God and your God. Mary responded in obedience. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord! And that, she had said, that he had said these things to her. I think it's important for us not to miss the significance of the fact that these important messages were entrusted by Jesus to a woman in a very patriarchal society. According to the Jewish Mishnah, among the Jews, women are not permitted to bear witness. Well, the next appearance, the second post-resurrection appearance of Jesus that the apostle chose to include in his gospel was again to the disciples, but for some reason, and we're not told why, Thomas was not among them. 
Verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. See, the authorities had killed Jesus, and the disciples assumed they might be next. The Gospel of Luke mentions it wasn't just limited to the ten disciples. There were others with them in this room. And the purpose of identifying the doors as locked was to underscore the miraculous nature of Jesus appearing in the midst of his disciples. As his body had evidently passed through the grave clothes, he also passed through the walls or doors, locked doors of this room. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This was to assure them that it really was him. Could you imagine being there? It's an amazing scene that is being laid out for us by John the Apostle and relayed to us through our teacher and pastor, Leighton Sheely, here on Study Verse by Verse. More tomorrow as we continue our look at John chapter 20. We trust you'll join us. In the meantime, to reach out to us or learn about us here at Study Verse by Verse, Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, you can visit our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Thanks for spending time with us today. Until tomorrow, God bless. We'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.